Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of FS360 Pod Session. On today's show, we have Hilary Miller-Wise, founder and CEO of Tula, a digital marketplace that links unbanked and underserved smallholder farmers in Kenya to digital financial services, inputs, and loans. We will explore Tula's financial inclusion model in detail, as well as its very promising vision for the future. I hope you enjoyed this very interesting chat with Hilary. Good morning, Hilary. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Are you calling for Nairobi today? I am. Yes, Nairobi's home. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, Hilary, I guess the first question I have for you is, you are from the U.S. What was the I personal am. motivation behind the decision to build a company focused on Africa? The motivation was uh, really several things. One is the massive opportunity that there is in on the continent and particularly in Nairobi. Um, it's not surprising there are a lot of startups here, um, largely because there is so much opportunity. There's also a lot of talent. Um, and uh, it's we're sort of in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, um, I could really see uh, a challenge that no one was solving in the way that I thought it needed to be solved. So uh, I took the plunge. <laughs> all right, all right. So tell us more, a little bit more about Tula. What is exactly Tula and what is the value proposition? Sure. Tula is a marketplace for smallholder farmers. The idea is that we can see in smallholder supply chains, there are a lot of reasons why smallholders struggle to increase production and to increase income. And we saw a lot of solutions that were solving for pieces of it. Maybe they were solving for the finance piece or they were solving for the market piece, but there was no one who was really taking a holistic approach uh, and really trying to solve the challenges in the supply chain end to end and to transform these supply chains. Mm -hmm. So our approach is to use technology, uh, mobile technology and artificial intelligence to make it easier for buyers and sellers to connect with each other. So, for farmers to get access to credit, uh, for farmers to buy quality inputs, uh, and for farmers to sell to buyers in urban markets. Mm -hmm. And you connect the, pretty much the farmers and the buyers through your digital marketplace. That's right, yep. It's a digital marketplace, but I will say mm -hmm. we refer to it as online to offline because we don't believe that you can uh, address this type of customer mm -hmm. with digital only. There still has to be a human, <laughs> there yeah. still has to be human interface with this customer. Yeah. Um, and so what we do is we layer our technology on human networks, whether that's our own agent network, whether that's the aggravate retailer uh, shops that we work with, the buyers that we sell to, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So most of these farmers that you're serving had never had access to input loans in the past. Uh, how important is the education piece when dealing with these communities? The education piece around credit is critical, um, mm -hmm. largely because, as you said, they haven't had experience before. Secondly, there is now a proliferation of digital loans, which are really short-term commercial loans, and they're extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of farmers don't really understand um, the, the cost of these loans. And so we're seeing not only farmers, but urban consumers as well, um, about 2 million people who've been blacklisted uh, in the Credit Reference Bureau as a result of taking these loans and not, not servicing them. So there's a lot of education that has to happen around financial literacy. Yeah, yeah. 
And how exactly is TULA empowering financial inclusion? I understand that there's the, the input loan side of it. So these farmers have access to, to this, um, these loans, right? And you have the credit score piece as well. Can you explain a little bit how it works? Sure. So we have a credit score that we've created that it uses alternative data. Mm -hmm. um, so we use uh, different data like psychometric data, um, the farmer's knowledge of agronomic practices, mm -hmm. um, satellite data, things like that, mm -hmm. to be able to make a credit decision very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the challenges for this customer group is, particularly in the context of climate change, they wait until the rains come and then they all go to get inputs and credit at the same time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the banks and MFIs take too long um, mm -hmm. to make a decision. So our decisioning process is uh, maximum six days from application to disbursement. Mm -hmm. And that's really driven by the fact that we've developed this credit score that uses alternative data. Yeah. Um, then uh, we do quite a lot to educate the customer on the loan. Um, we don't really invest a lot in more broad uh, types of financial literacy. It's just too expensive for us to do. Mm -hmm. But we're very keen to partner with players who offer that um, mm -hmm. because we know that the farmers have lots of needs around financial literacy and we're, we're only solving for one piece of it. Yeah, yeah. And do, do you think that this alternative credit score that you're building through Toolet can be used to give visibility of these farmers to other financial institutions that it can be used to show that they they're building a credit history? Absolutely. I mean, eventually what we want to do is start partnering with banks and MFIs um, to be able to provide this credit score as a service to them. Uh, we want to make sure that it that we run a lot of data through it and we feel very confident um, for different types of farmers that we can give a good indication of the, um, of the credit worthiness of the customer. Mm -hmm. But we've started some preliminary conversations with uh, one bank and one MFI here to begin to test that. And, you know, the idea is that at scale, um, we want the platform to be a marketplace for credit as well, but we needed to put our money where our mouth is uh, and uh, lend up our own balance sheet and, and really prove that uh, we have a credit score that, that's valuable. Yeah, and do you, do, you, do you believe that this business model is scalable for, for other countries or even, even other emerging markets? Yes, definitely. We uh, do plan to expand in East Africa um, starting next year. Mm -hmm. um, the, the key to expansion will be partnerships, for sure. Um, it will also be um, tweaking some of the algorithms that we have to the markets that we would be going into. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are enough idiosyncrasies in different markets that we would need to make sure that those algorithms are, are well applied. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the partnerships that we have, for example, particularly on the input supply side, they tend to be the same players um, in Kenya and Uganda and Tanzania, et cetera. So mm -hmm. the Syngentas and Yaras and, and Bears um, are all operating in those countries as well. So in that sense, it would be um, relatively easy. Mm -hmm. uh, the harder part would be on the market linkage side because we sell to wholesalers. So we would have mm -hmm. to develop those relationships with wholesalers, but we're increasingly develop standard operating procedures around that so we mm -hmm. can uh, have repeatable practices. Yeah. And what are the key challenges that you're currently facing in, in building Tula? 
<laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the biggest risks that we face, uh, certainly the credit risk is always there, right? Anytime you're lending, as you know well. Um, the second would be price volatility. Um, so when we are uh, trading the crop for the farmers, um, we've seen at certain times of the year, there can be major price swings in the same day. Um, and so mitigating that uh, volatility is very important for us. Mm -hmm. And then the last is logistics. Um, in most of these markets, logistics is really fragmented and getting a product from point A to point B, um, particularly if one of those points is rural on bad mm -hmm. roads, is difficult. So we recently signed uh, an agreement with a company called Kobo 360, which is a logistics player out of Nigeria. Uh, and we're excited about uh, scaling with them. All right, good. So I can tell through your social media how passionate and proud you are of Tula's team. And, and I can see how the, the team is growing in the, last, in the last month, right? What is your secret to attract and keep this top talent in Tula? Because it's very challenging and we know that that's one of the challenging points in the market. So how you manage to keep that keep that, those talents with you? That's a great question. Um, I, I joke that there are different kinds of luck and the one kind of luck I have is people luck. <laughs> um, and I, I think in part it comes from the culture that we started building really early in the company. And so the, the small group of people that joined the company early mm -hmm. on were really bought into that culture. And it's a culture of, of autonomy, of innovation, of respect of willingness to make mistakes and learn um, and I think people feel like they have a lot of um, agency yeah. um, they can uh, make decisions they can make mistakes and they know their job is not <laughs> threatened so there's there's also a lot of psychological safety yeah. um, as well and all of that has been very intentional and mm -hmm. so you know that was kind of originally how I wanted to set it up and, and the initial people that we brought in then mm -hmm. bought into that and they reinforce it and now it's just something that's really self-reinforcing with every new person that comes in yeah and let me tell you that we can feel that tool of culture from this side Right. Yeah, that's great. That's why. Thank that's you. why. That's why I know stories about DJ Victor. That's why <laughs> I know about Roof's work ethic because it's important, as you mentioned. It's not sometimes um, we build these cultures within our companies, but we don't we don't put it in the spotlight. People don't know about it, and I think yeah. it's very important that you put in you put in that out, and people can feel that culture, especially in a market like uh, like where you're operating, right? Where it's very yeah. important to build these these. This culture to, for people to have a perspective on their careers and their lives and all that. So I think that's very positive and people can feel the energy of your team and all that. So well, well done on that. Thank you. No, thank you. That's great to hear. Yeah, there is, I think it was Peter Drucker who said, um, culture eats strategy for yeah, breakfast. And definitely. we really believe that. Um, and we know that uh, if you don't pay attention to it, you're going to have a lot of churn. It's going to be mm -hmm. hard for you to attract talent. Um, and it's going to hurt the bottom line. So Definitely. it's it's a, a very business-based decision, but it's also, frankly, the culture and the company that I want to work for. That's amazing. That's amazing. And where do you see Tool in three years? So in three years, I would say um, we'll be in at least two more countries um, in East Africa. 
We will have expanded into new value chains. So because we're end to end, um, we focus only in a handful of value chains right now. Mm -hmm. And so we will have expanded into other horticulture value chains as well as um, other agricultural value chains. Um, I think you'll see that we'll have a lot more partnerships, as I mentioned. So really starting to partner with banks and MFIs, um, starting to partner with other companies who are targeting the same customer base mm -hmm. with complementary services, um, yeah. things like irrigation equipment, tractor services, et cetera. All right. Good, good, good. Last question. Do you believe that Africa is the future? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I... I, it's funny because I'm old enough to have been in Silicon Valley in the 90s when technology was really taking off and before, you know, the dot-com boom and then the dot-com bust. And, um, you know, you could kind of tell at that time it was the right place, the right time. Um, and it feels the same here. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, if you go to Nairobi or Lagos, right, uh, it's just buzzing. And... Um, you know, I do think that um, there is tremendous opportunity that obviously people in Africa are seeing, but you're now seeing uh, people outside of the continent yeah. seeing the potential here too um, in the business world. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. So, so I think that's uh, helping to just prove that Africa is the future. Okay, amazing, Hilary. That, that's, a, that's an amazing view. Hilary, thank you very much for your time. It was very, very good to have this chat with you. Um, and of course, share these uh, this insights and ideas with you. That was very good. Thank you very much for your time and keep doing the amazing work you're doing on the continent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great day, Hilary. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.